Well, I don't know what kind of week you've had, friends. But I have a sense because I just experienced declaring words to Jesus that I strongly needed to declare. And I hope that as you've come to church today, that the reminder that Jesus is our firm foundation has been powerful and rich for you. I don't think it's a coincidence you're here today. And I don't think it's a coincidence that God is leading us forward in a two-part series called Dear Church, where he's inviting us uh, to be people who are sharing our faith evangelistic. And this morning I'm gonna suggest that uh, he's also leading us to be people who are rooted and planted into the places where he's put us. Last week, I made a critical mistake in our message, and I need to fix it right now. Uh, My daughter's watching online. She's not feeling well this morning. She pointed out to me after the service was done. She said, Dad, uh, message was pretty good, but you didn't do one thing. You didn't put the hard hat on. So Claire, if you're watching, there it is. I have a really big cranium, and so this thing is maxed out as far as it can go. But Claire, get a picture quick, take a screenshot, because this is one and done and over and we're ready to go. Friends, you know, uh, as many of you know, uh, back on March the 6th, uh, we sent a team from University Drive Alliance Church to Costa Rica, and uh, there was a lot of anticipation and some nervousness as as we went down, as I went down, because it had been seven years since we had been there. God had blessed and God had moved, God had done good things, and in that, um, we felt like we had an opportunity to go back and uh, be a part of the ministry and the work back in Costa Rica. And I talked to Harrison weekly, and uh, we'd communicated in the seven years that, uh, since we'd been there. But going back, I just wasn't sure. Was it gonna be as good as it previously was? Was God gonna bless in similar ways? And when we landed on the ground on, uh, on March the 6th, and we unloaded from that plane, when the cabin door opened, I was reminded again of a place that God had previously brought us and where he had blessed in amazing ways. The sights and the sounds, the smells, the scenery, all of it became very familiar and a reminder of this place that I loved in my heart and that I wanted to share with eight other people who'd come on this amazing trip. And as we, uh, you know, got onto a bus that night and headed out to a place called Los Angeles de Cariari, which is two hours north of, uh, of San Jose where we had landed, my heart started to swell with anticipation that the next morning we were going to meet Herson face to face again. I was gonna be able to look my brother in the eyes and embrace him, something I had longed to do for seven years. And friends, that moment didn't disappoint. When I saw him, I got a lump in my throat and I, I didn't wanna run because I don't know, maybe I wanted to be dignified, but when I saw him and we saw each other, and he said hello in some uh, you know, somewhat broken English, although his English is pretty good. Uh, we just embraced. And it was a reminder of the blessed relationship that we had shared, of the way that God had moved in previous trips and that uh, a desire that once again he would bless. And so we got onto the ground that first day on Tuesday the 7th and we started to work and we had a really good day that first day. Like if some of you saw the pictures that you can find online or the highlight videos from the day, we got a lot of work done that day. And while I was hopeful that we would have a good experience building things, I knew that God had so much more for us. And that night as we went out for dinner, uh, we sat down with Herson and his daughter Bridget and we started to see what I would call the beginnings uh, in a fresh way of covenant relationship. Here's a picture. 
an opportunity to be together and to build not just a, a, a commodore or a dining hall, but eternal relationships with dear friends here on earth that we will know on the other side of heaven. Relationships that would be transformational, not just for Costa Rican people, but for Canadians as well, that would cause them to come home and live differently because of what we experienced down there. And there was a need in those moments to be rooted and planted in the place that God had brought us. We had to go all in. And because we would do that, a huge blessing would come to, I believe, each member who went to Costa Rica this year. One of the traditions that we've developed in going down is to consider what it's like to sit at the, in, at the table in Jesus' upside-down kingdom. It's to find great joy in our mealtimes together, and this trip didn't disappoint. Every night that we would go out for dinner, we would sneak over to the waiter, and I would say to them, hey, it's my friend's birthday. Do you think you could bring some dessert, and we're going to sing to them, happy birthday, or in Spanish, feliz cumpleaños. And we had a great time doing this. Night after night, people would be embarrassed. But I would suggest the pinnacle moment came when, uh, as we were sitting in another restaurant, uh, we surprised Herson's wife, Rocio. Herson had showed us a, 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 a processing plant where he took coconuts week after week that were uh, processed and the, the coconut juice or coconut milk was bottled and sent up to Canada for us to consume. And after that was done, we wanted to go to a restaurant that actually happened to be closed. And so we arrived at this random restaurant and in uh, just sitting down and ordering our food, I found a moment to sneak over to the waitress and I said, hey, it's my friend's wife's birthday today. Do you think you could bring her some cake? And she pointed to a box on the shelf and I thought, She got the message, it was through Google Translate, but I thought she got the message, but to my horror, when she came over to the table, she didn't bring a piece of cake, she brought the entire cake. So friends, University Drive bought a whole cake that night, and in the moments that ensued, we saw this. You can hear Herson singing, Ruben Tams, you can hear at some point. And as we sang happy birthday to Rocio, Sorry, it's turn a bit. You can see the embarrassment. You can see the fun. And what I hope you can see too is the depths of joy that we shared together in a moment that we were rooted and planted. She was so embarrassed. In just a minute, she's going to turn to her son and scold him and say, Her son. But it was an amazing time. We shared beautiful memories. There was Reuben. (laughs) Right at the end. A depth of joy and a real blessing. And as we talk about covenant relationship this morning, we're gonna take moments to reflect on what God did down there, but I believe, friends, that there's a moment here for us as a church that we can come into our faith in a contractual type posture, or we can come with a covenantal type posture exactly the way God made us, an obligation that's marked by steadfastness and faithfulness and loyal love. And one that becomes important, I believe, in these days that we're living. These are hard times, not because um, of snow outside, but because of the political and spiritual and and even the physical um, aspects of life that we rub up against every single day. And so with that in mind, I want to encourage you to open your Bibles, whether it's your device or it's your physical Bible, you can open them up to 1 Samuel chapter 14. I'm going 
gonna read this together for us here this morning. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one here today, we had a bunch of Bibles arrive, I think it was last week, into the church, and they're back on the, the back table there beside Lawrence. We would love for you to have that and take it home as our gift to you. Uh, but for the sake of our time this morning, I'm gonna read First uh, Samuel 14, verses one to 15. And we're gonna share for a few moments on what it means to be a community of covenantal relationship. It said, one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod, brother of Ahitub, son of Phineas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Senna. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Giba, toward Giba rather. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And his armor bearer said, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then, we will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. And so both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. And so Jonathan said to the armor bearer, climb up after me, the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet with his armor bearer right behind him and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer. But the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. We come to a point in 1 Samuel 14, and for the first a few minutes this morning, we come to one of the great few story, or great stories in Scripture. And while a great story plays out here, what really is a remarkable, what really is remarkable uh, is the relationship between Jonathan and his armor bearer. The historical setting of this passage is that God uh, has has appointed through Samuel, Saul to be king. And as he's appointed Saul to be king, he's invited him and he's called him to advance on his enemies. And this was significant. It was significant because the Israelites were living in exile. They were living broken identities. And by calling them, by, I would suggest, equipping them, by um, inviting them to stand this way forward, it was going to change the Israelite people. It was gonna help them to live into the identity that God had for them. It was going to help them to live with more freedom, more blessing, more promise. And in this previous chapter, we start to see the early fruits of people who are advancing forward. Samuel has said to Saul that they are to go and fight the Philistines. And as they go to fight the Philistines, they were to start, and after a time, after seven days, Samuel would join them, and they together would advance on the Philistine empire or the Philistine armies. 
But if you look back in verse, uh, 1 Samuel 13 for a moment, in verse six, it says, when the Israelites saw their situation was critical and the army was hard pressed, they hid in caves and the thickets among the rocks and in, in the pits and in the cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan into the land of Gad and Gilead. They started to retreat from the, the mission that God had put them on, and as they started to retreat, the, Saul got very concerned. He knew he had to bring them back together. He knew that Samuel was coming, but instead of waiting for Samuel and for God's plan, he took matters into his own hands, and so he built an altar, and he lit it, and as he lit it, Samuel walks onto the battlefield, so to speak, and he says these words in verse 11, what have you done? Saul reveals to us a very contractual posture of his heart, a very consumeristic posture in his heart, that when things got hard, instead of trusting God and instead of leaning in with God, he took matters into his own hands. He did things his way. He didn't trust God, and in doing so, he didn't embrace the identity that God had given to him, and in a moment of weakness, Samuel says, you've done a foolish thing, you've not kept the command that the Lord your God gave you, If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time, but now your kingdom will not endure. Samuel, or sorry, Saul paid a high price for not living into the mission and the the calling and not being obedient to what God had called him to be. Keep that in mind for a moment. The next thing that happens after this passage is something very similar. In 1 Samuel 15, Samuel has said to Saul that they are to advance again over the Philistines and they are to totally obliterate them. They are to finish them. The men, the women, the children, the animals, and what takes place. In a very contractual way, Saul takes matters into his own hands again. And instead of obliterating everybody, Saul has mercy. He gets selfish and he takes on the, the, the best of the animals, the high ones, not the cats and not the rats, if you love cats, I apologize. But like the finest of the finest of the cows, the finest uh, of the herd, he doesn't slaughter them all, he keeps some of them for himself. And in doing so, it comes again at a very high price. Instead of totally obliterating the Philistines that God had commanded them to do, it, he pays a very high price. And it, we read, sorry, that's the latter part of 14, and then we read in 15 that the Lord rejects Saul as king. Two pictures of a contractual posture in the faith. Two pictures of consumerism. Two pictures of somebody trying to take the faith into their own hands. And what are remarkable stories of God giving a calling and and, uh, humanity falling short or Saul falling short. Bridge or bookended by this story in the middle that starts in a really unremarkable way. It ends up being remarkable, but it starts in a really irremarkable way. For Samuel 14, verse one, it says, one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer. This was just a day. It was just a moment in the midst of a really hard season. They were in battle, they were fighting together, and then one day, in an, what seems to be an insignificant context, God does something absolutely remarkable in the life of two men who lived in what I would consider to be a covenant relationship. 
Come, let us go to the outpost was an invitation. The Philistine outpost was an invitation. It wasn't a command or a directive as, as, um, as Jonathan could have done because he was an officer in the army. It's very invitational. Even the next words, uh, come to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. It's so casual, but it's so inviting. And perhaps, Jonathan says, another tender word, the Lord will act in our behalf. What I want us to see here is the nature of a, relation, of a relationship that's very covenantal. It's the way that God has led them forward in, in relationship, which is very different from a contractual type uh, of setting. This is very uh, invitational, it's inviting. It, in, it invokes a response that comes out of love and out of respect, not one just out of necessarily duty. And friends, this is so often the way that God works in our lives. God's story in the scriptures begins with covenant between the father and a son. And in the beginning of of time, in the beginning of scriptures, God makes this covenant with Adam and in doing so, he created him in his image and in his likeness, meaning that there was an obligation to be fruitful and to multiply, to do God's work, to be God's representative in this world, making him famous. That's the foundation of the life and the relationship that Jonathan and the armor bearer are living in and living out of. And similarly today, it's, it's the, the foundation of how we connect with God and with each other. The foundation is to live in covenantal relationship with God and with each other, to be steadfast, to be faithful, to be loyal, to be loving with God and with each other. And when we break that covenant, when we become consumers or contractual, and we see this in Saul, we see that brokenness comes into the world. We see that, that hurt and pain and suffering comes. But when we see a loyalty to God in relationship and a loyalty to God with each other in covenantal community, God blesses in great ways. And while it's not always easy, we can see through it all that God accomplishes his purposes. That he will accomplish through you and he will accomplish through me great things. But when we live in contrast to that, in a contract type relationship, where we need to have a benefit or we need to have a say, we experience the opposite of this. And we see this model in Jesus. I was talking to a good friend about this this morning. That Jesus had every reason to put himself first and walk away from the cross but out of a desire to be in relationship, to bring others into relationship too, in a desire to to maintain and fulfill and continue on the covenant that he had with humanity, Jesus himself didn't run from the cross, friends. Instead, he embraced the season that he was in, and as he did so, as he did so, great blessing and great transformation came to this world because of his faithfulness to to, uh, continue on in the covenant. And this, of course, leads us to the present age. God still maintains covenantal relationship with his people. He invites us to not only keep this with him, but also with each other. And I really believe that we experience God's best in our lives when we share in this type of community with each other. This has become the foundation and the nature of our relationship in the church. We are together sharing in the covenant of Jesus with each other and for each other, aware that we've been brought together by God, that we have this calling and we have this invitation to march forward and serve forward and be together selflessly serving God with each other and for each other and being on mission for him. The covenantal peace that brings us together is Jesus. And through obedience to the Father, one of the greatest blessings that we experience is unity in him. 
When we were down in Costa Rica, to be honest with you, in the early days, we didn't even have a translator outside of our phones and Google. Our translator wasn't available to come in the early times, and so we knew that God had given to us a mission and a purpose in coming together. And we started to experience hour after hour, day after day, what it meant to be rooted and united in Jesus Christ. A a conviction that lost people mattered to Jesus, that we were there, yes, to build a a Commodore, a a dining hall, and, and to do other things, but more than that, God wanted to show us what it meant to live in covenantal relationship with each other and for each other, rooted in him. And as we focused on praying together, as we focused on eating together, yes, even in the moments where we laughed together, we experienced a blessing that far, that far surpassed anything that would have come had we only focused on building a building. Making the deeper investment into community transformed not only Costa Rican people, but a team of nine who went down to learn how to live lives differently to be transformed and to come back and hopefully have an influence and an impact in Canada because we would maintain and continue on in covenantal relationship with each other, for each other, and for the glory of God. We've come home wanting to have influence, friends. Yes, in this church, but also in this community because I believe that when we lean into this, we are going to show the world something that they're longing to connect to an opportunity to be rooted and centered in Jesus and an opportunity to know relationships in a much, much deeper way. And it comes as we committed to oftentimes laying aside our differences or our grievances or, or, the, or sometimes the brokenhearted parts of life and staying rooted and founded on Jesus. When we landed on the property of the Jimenez family uh, on, on uh, March the 7th, on a Tuesday, I think we were already blessed. But the more time that we spent together going through the week, and this was on the Friday night, the more time that we spent together uh, sharing in life together, praying together, looking at Jesus together with each other as the UDAC team, but also with the him and his family and that community, the more that the transformational work took place. We connected together, we spurred one another on, we encouraged one another. And it awoken in us again the beauty of the upside down kingdom of covenantal relationship and it caused us to dig in deep with each other and with local Tico people. And I believe out of that it helped us to accomplish a task, a purpose, a mission that God had brought us there to do. And so all of a sudden in what started to be an unremarkable day, it becomes a day of great significance because in a covenant relationship, two men saw God do incredible things in front of them. These men embarked on a reconnaissance tour and then jumped into action as the opportunity that God had given them uh, became alive in front of them and God did a miraculous thing. They defeated the Philistine people or they, they jumped into battle and what looked like disaster in the making became an opportunity for God. Verse 12 was the, the Hebrews, as they, as they started to show themselves, uh, the, the Philistines became concerned and they said, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes that they're hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. And here's the moment where, where we start to see the victory of God transform, or transform the, the battlefield in front of them, so to speak. As these two brothers, uh, yes, uh, an officer in the army and a servant in an armor bearer, as they came together in covenant relationship, we see, as Jonathan says to his armor bearer, come up after me. 
the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Two men took on an army, and yes, the Israelites are gonna join them in a few moments, but two men took on an army in an impossible situation, and God did something in them that was far, far greater than anything they could have ever asked or imagined. God worked transformationally through their lives as they came together under Jesus and linked arms, and in a covenant type of connection, marched forward for him. You can see the unity of their relationship in verse 12. Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into our hands. Even earlier in verse six and seven, as Jonathan says, come, let's go. Very invitational, soft language. The armor bearer, you can hear the affection. Do all that you have in mind. His armor bearer said, go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. There's a unity there despite the differences of who they are and the positions that they held. They were able to set aside the the things that maybe sometimes would pull uh, us apart as humans and instead they focused on the mission of Jesus and they focused on what was in front of them and what was at the center of who they were. And I believe that invitation that was placed in front of Jesus Jonathan and his armor bearers, the same invitation that's being placed in front of us here today, friends. That there is an opportunity in covenant relationship for us to step up and with simple and courageous courage um, share in the call to be united with people around us to do the work and the mission of Jesus. There's a lot of reason in in the church these days to live separate, to live apart. We've come through one of the the greatest times in modern history. We've experienced great turmoil and we've come through one of the greatest crises in modern history and there's good reason maybe to be divided and separated. Let's set COVID aside a second and look at the political climate that we live in here in Canada. The realities of life is really challenging in these days. It's hard, it's expensive, it's divisive, it's broken, it's pulling people apart, and yet in the midst of a brokenness of feeling pulled apart, Jesus says, no, I have so much more. He himself is inviting us to, and he's saying to us, come, let's go together. And we have the opportunity to respond with Jesus and with each other and say, do all that you have in mind, I'm with you, heart and soul. I believe that we could look at these days and we could find a lot of reasons to walk away from the table. But I believe more than that, Jesus is showing to us fresh opportunities in this world that have come because of the turmoil and the strife that we're living in and he's inviting us to come back and to root ourselves and plant ourselves into communities such as University Drive Alliance Church to accomplish the tasks that he has set out for us here. He's asking us to go all in And I don't think it's a coincidence that on that day, those men were selected for that moment. God had them exactly where he wanted them. He had set the table, he had set the scene, and very similarly in our lives here today, God puts people into spaces and places and he's planted them exactly where he wants them because he wants to accomplish great things through places like the local church, places like University Drive Alliance. It's not a coincidence that you're here, friends. It's not a coincidence that I'm here because Jesus has more for us. 
It's so often that our unity in the Lord builds courage and strength, and we saw this in person in Costa Rica. As we were down there, one of the things that happened on the Sunday morning that's happening right now as we speak was that the kids' ministry took place. And so with great anticipation, we arrived Sunday morning and some of us jumped on the bus and we went around the community and picked up kids in this broken down uh, old bus that needs repairs and we're gonna talk about this later. It'll come up through our over the horizon offerings. Uh, We wanna address these needs, but at the time we're riding on this broken bus, we didn't even know how bad it was at the time. We went around and collected 55 or 60 kids, something like that, my number might not be exactly right. And we came back and it was an amazing morning. Well, language still remained a barrier. We came together and with a focus on Jesus, uh, we had uh, you know, a time to sing with those kids. We danced with those kids. Don't worry, Emery, I won't show that video this morning. We danced with those kids. We, we praised God with those kids and there was joy in the room. You could feel the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit in that place. You could, you could see God at work and as I looked around and saw our teammates, I had to turn back because as they were weeping, I started to weep and we saw that God moved in beautiful and powerful ways. It was amazing. And then the kids got dismissed to their small group times and as they went to their classrooms, we were able to hand out gifts to them and, and encourage them and, 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 and bless them. And as all of that was taking place, about 30 or 40 or 50 feet away, in an insignificant setting in a carport between two homes, a Bible study was happening. To give you the setting for this Bible study, uh, we'd heard ahead of time that they were trying to relaunch some of these spaces and places coming out of COVID and they asked if one of our people would share and I, I just, Uh, asked, I I had a prompt in my heart that I should ask Nancy Mitchell if she would share. And what we didn't know when that invitation was coming to Nancy was that just before we were gonna go on this trip that, that the Lord would bring her mom home. Literally, in the days and hours before we left for Costa Rica, Nancy Mitchell's mom passed away. And so the night that they called, I said to Rob, her husband, it was about 10 o'clock at night, I said, Rob, we have travel insurance. If you need to bow out, we totally understand. And the next day they called, and they said, we felt that God had a purpose for us in going, and so we believe that we still need to go. And about a week later on a Sunday morning, Nancy Mitchell shared her story in front of these adults that you can see in the top of the picture behind me. She got up and in front of those people, she courageously and honestly shared. She said, I'm coming to you with a broken heart this morning. My mom passed away. But I wanna share to you the truths of Psalm 23. Earlier in the week, our women had done a a craft day with the ladies and they had done, uh, I can show you a picture after, uh, a home decor piece that had Psalm 23 written on it. And now, four or five days later, Nancy Mitchell shares from Psalm 23. And as she shared her story and was vulnerable and was centered on Christ, God used her in that moment. He brought together people in that moment to share something that would far surpass anything we could have ever asked or imagined. And a brokenhearted lady, as she pointed people to Jesus, I believe some miracles take place in front of her. After she was done sharing her story, uh, Marcos, who we talked about last week, got up and he said, basically, if there's anybody else here that wants to share their story of how Jesus has transformed their lives, I'd encourage you to stand up. And after Nancy shared, three more women stood 
and shared their stories of how God had moved in their lives, had delivered them from brokenness, had delivered them from addiction, had delivered them from, from um, broken relationships, and had brought them together and was blessing them in fresh ways. And it didn't mean that life was easier, but it meant that there was a renewed focus on Jesus. One of the things that didn't happen that morning happened last Sunday. As those people stood up and then as they went home, the next Sunday, last week, uh, some more people came together. And there was a Bible, or sorry, two weeks ago, they had a Bible study. And then last week they came together again and there was another Bible study. And it was in the context of that Bible study in this place last Sunday that three people bowed the knee to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. Friends, when we come together, God does amazing things. When we come together and are unified, we need to set aside some of our differences. We need to set aside some of our preferences even. And that's reflected in our morning worship service here today. All of us could probably go around the room and say, well, I, would, I, you know, I love this song, can we sing this song? Or I love that song, can we sing that song? Or I love this kind of preaching, can we have that kind of preaching? I love donuts and yet we're serving muffins after the church. You need to still stay, by the way. A contractual type faith always considers the preferences that we have and puts them on the table. But a covenantal type relationship with Jesus and with each other sometimes and oftentimes sets aside those preferences and puts Jesus at the center and says, I will do anything and everything to make Jesus famous. And as we do, I believe that Jesus will do Ephesians 3.20 in person to him who's able to do remarkably more, immeasurably more than anything we could ever ask or imagine according to his purpose that's at work and alive within us. At a minimum, five people have come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord because of the outpourings of this trip. And I'm not trying to take any credit for that. I'm not trying to say that we did anything for that. I'm just saying that nine people partnered with a family and partnered with a community, came together and lived in the depths and the throngs of covenantal relationship. And because of that, eternity will no longer be the same. And very similarly, as we see at the end of this passage, in 1 Samuel chapter 14, as two men came together in what would have been so easy to walk away. It would have been so easy to look at the Philistines and walk away and do something else, but instead, as they understood the mission that was in front of them, as they shed off uh, fear, as they shed off maybe a desire to be anywhere else but there, as they put a, a, a test in front of God, they saw that God was answering, that God was with them, and they stepped forward with faith and in verse 13 Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet and the armor bearer right beside him and the Philistines fell before Jonathan. And it seems to be that as God did a miracle in front of them in the midst of covenantal relationship, it came because these men shared in life together and put Jesus at the center and lived with the profound perspective that Jesus had more for them in that day. And similarly, I don't think it's a coincidence that you have come to church here today, that on April the 2nd, 2023, God brought together many people, that we sang the songs that we sang, that we listened to the words of Carter Dick as he shared his testimony, 
that this passage has come up, that these words have come forward. I don't think it's a coincidence that you're in this room or you're watching online because I think in a similar way, God is showing us the hill or the season or the battlefield in front of us and he's saying, I've got my people exactly where I want them. We've been brought together for such a time as this. God has brought the gifts into the room that he wants here. He's put the talents onto the table that he needs. He's put a passion into the heart of leaders to lead people forward, and he's stirring in the hearts of a community here today, and he's not saying go into the, the far other places and run from the hills. He's saying come to the table and lean in with the family of faith. Bring Jesus to the center of who you are and make him famous in these days. He's showing us a city that desperately needs him. A city that's brokenhearted, that's discouraged and destroyed, and yet as the sun shines in this picture, I believe that Jesus is shining on the city, and he's saying, I have so much more for this city and for this region, and I need God's people to come together and be united, because I'm ready to move in a time such as this. Friends, there's lots of reasons to walk away. There's lots of reasons to allow our differences to discourage us, but instead, we can look at Jesus, who's the founder and the perfecter of our faith, and we can bring him to the center, and in a covenantal type of relationship, and a covenantal type of obedience, have courage to stay seated at the table and go all in with each other because I believe, and because you believe, and because God is stirring in our hearts a conviction that he is something special for us. Please hear me. It's not a coincidence that you're here today. It's not a coincidence that God has gifted you as he has. It's not a coincidence that God has brought us together. This is his time and it's his way. It's his opportunity and he's asking you and he's asking me to come together and to link arms and to look up and together join in saying perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And so friends, I want, you to, I want to invite you to look into the depths of your heart today and allow Jesus to speak into your heart there. Whether you're in person or whether you're online, to be convicted that it's not a coincidence that God has brought you to this table. But this isn't the finish line. I believe that this is just the beginning of our journey together. And as some of us get tired, we're gonna need to link arms and encourage one another to keep going. As some of us wonder, what is it that our gifts are? So we're gonna need to link arms and, and help reveal or help show each other the way that God's made us and that God's gifted us. In a season like this, we need to be reminded of what the mission is. And I believe that the mission of God for the city of Lethbridge is getting much simpler all the time. It's not about a number. It's not about a specific program, it's about Jesus. Telling people the good news of Jesus, sharing the good news of Jesus, living into the good news of Jesus. The harder these days get, the simpler the mission becomes. To live with authenticity, to live with purpose, to live with conviction and to live with passion that lost people matter to Jesus and that Jesus has so much more for us. So I'm gonna invite you to respond in a couple of different ways. And the worship team, you guys can come in these moments and I'll try to be concise here. The first is that next Sunday we have our Easter services and we wanna come back to the table. I thought it was so significant this morning the way the worship team led us. There was joy and there was passion. I'm gonna ask that you engage with us in this next season. 
that you lean into our times of worship, that you come back Easter uh, on Good Friday and Easter Sunday, that you invite your pre-Christian friends to come and join us together here. We will have an invitation next Sunday for pre-Christian people to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. Lean in with us. Go and pray over that board in the foyer. There are names on that board of actual people who need Jesus, friends. Lean in with us. Commit yourself in this season. Live into the covenant of God who's create, of, of who God created us to be and share together. The second thing is this. A couple of months ago in January, we preached on being uncomfortable on the Acts 2 church And at the time we revealed that we were working on a new care ministry plan and giving it some structure in our church so we could serve people better in the church family and in the community. There's been a lot of work done since then. I want to invite you to come and be a part of the teams that are going to be used to serve in this community in this world that we live in. And so in the foyer after the service, and I'm gonna have to run out because I just realized I didn't put these forms out. So in the last song, I'll go do it. But I would invite you to, to write your name down and to be a part of these teams. We need people who are gonna pray. And whether it's tomorrow morning or tomorrow night or sometime during the week, we need intercessors who are gonna be committed to praying for this church and for this community. People who will literally walk the streets of the places that we live in and ask the Lord to, to move on behalf of people who are, who are living there or who are, or who are rooted there. We need people who can help in practical ways in, in helping um, people in their homes maybe paint a fence or, or do some light car repairs or change a light bulb or these kind of things. We need a practical helps team and there's opportunity to sign up for that. We need a food support team. Just in the past week, we've had opportunity to bless two families who are hurting in the community and people from this church made meals and, and provided support. We need that in, in spades even more and there's gonna be an opportunity to sign up. We have a huge need in our church right now for visitation. And if you'd like to go and bless people and and go and have a cup of coffee or sit down uh, with with whomever to encourage them or uplift them or whatever, we need people like you to consider doing that. We need people to help with this building. There are opportunities to serve and I would invite you and encourage you after the service is done to go to the information desk and there will be pieces of paper where you can write your name down and in the coming days as this team is formed up, we'll reach out to you and we'll share. Friends, I'm asking and I'm inviting you to join us as we share in a faith journey together. You know, I don't really, I haven't heard a lot of things to say that anybody's leaving the table these days. But instead, months ago, as we looked at what God was gonna say to us in this season, the sense I had was that together we needed to come and be rooted and planted as a faith family to live into covenant relationship with each other and for each other, focused on Jesus. And I believe that as we do, God is gonna bless. God is gonna move. We will see miracles take place in front of us. And it will come as Jesus moves through the church. This is a new season we're living in for a lot of reasons. We're living in new days and hear me when I say one more time that God has you exactly where he wants you. Bloom where you're planted. God has much for us in these days ahead. Put on the hard hat. Here you go, Claire, one more time. It's time to put on the hard hat and roll up our sleeves and build and grow and encourage and stir. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll see you in the foyer in a few minutes.